So, here we are again, a full day of practice, hanging out in the field of our experience. And, uh, whatever sensitivity has been developed and is being developed to the field of our experience, what we've been calling the body field, this ever-changing dance of sensation, vibration, and the various messages, the information that we get from bodily life that sometimes actually speaks to us more clearly and more directly than the messages we get from thought life. Where we can really, we really learn from body about some of our habits, some of our um, habitual defense modes. Where we learn from bodily life how we respond to various kinds of stimulation. The ways we tend to respond to unpleasant experience through creating tension and drama in various different ways. And similarly, the way we tend to respond to pleasant stimulation. We spoke last night about actually really letting ourselves uh, drink in pleasure, ease, happiness, delight, joy, freeness. You also notice the habit sometimes, like even when meditation becomes pleasant, spacious, quiet, easeful, bright. And the tendency there also to create tension and drama. We start telling ourselves some story. Oh, now this is it. Mind has gotten really bright, really clear. and get kind of overexcited, which starts immediately to interfere with the lightness and brightness and ease and clarity. Sometimes it's quite comic just to look at mind's habits. So, inhabiting the body field, inhabiting what we've been speaking about in the fullest sense is the whole of the chitta field, right? physical experience, emotional experience, changing flavor and colorings of various emotional waves, various mind states. Inhabiting in such a way that we're able to uh, start really seeing thought go by without just blindly believing in those thoughts. Able to actually know some independence from our own mind or some independence from the content of mind that so easily otherwise just defines our whole sense of reality. Independent abiding as this field of knowing through which sensations pass, through which emotions and mind states pass, through which thoughts pass, through which sounds pass. This abiding as the knowing in which everything arises and passes, comes and goes, appears and disappears, forms and unforms. And when there's a certain sensitivity to that and a certain stability of abiding, we can find that actually all experience expresses, reveals, displays that fluid, changing, arising and passing nature. An opportunity to abide as the knowing of this changing fluid process. The the ease that might arise out of that, the relaxation of seeing, I don't need to try and control all of this, whatever the this is. It's like, oh, breathing's happening anyway. 
body's here by itself. Sounds come and go. Life's unfolding has a certain kind of natural intelligence to it. When we're busy being the one who does it all, the one who breathes, the one who feels, the one who meditates, then it's hard for us to see and therefore impossible for us to trust that natural intelligence of life's unfolding. But as we soften, settle, and sense that fluid movement of experience, we may sense the capacity to let it happen, let it be, to let breath breathe, to let body feel, to let thought think, to let life unfold. And in that letting, that sense we spoke about at the beginning of the week, giving back to nature what we've unhelpfully and inaccurately appropriated from her. The possibility to know the natural unfolding of things, feel the natural unfolding of things, learn about in a very direct way rather than a cognitive way, learning in the midst of the experience about <coughs> the naturalness, the dhammata, uh, the, the just like thisness, the tatata, use the Pali words, the fluidity, anicca, the happening by itselfness. The fact that I don't need to be the one doing it all. Anatta. So, as we say, body, feelings, mind states, thoughts, sounds, memories. All of them reflecting this kind of this natural unfolding, all of them reflecting this changing nature, all of them able to uh, come and go and be engaged with without us needing to make much of them, make something of them, make a self out of the one who's relating to them. And it may be that uh, in moments during the day that there's some real steadiness and some real sensitivity and, the re- and therefore the real capacity to attend in that way. It may be that you're attending to the changing nature of something specific, just really noticing body sensation, popping, fizzing, flickering, dancing, or thought life just flashing, passing. Or it may be that one's attending not even to anything specific, but to the changing nature of experience itself. They're just attending to this fluidity. Attending to the way that all phenomena are reflecting and expressing that. Of course, it may be that there are moments when um, one's attention is more uh, flighty or agitated. And where the most skillful thing we can do is just be very, very simple with our practice. Just 
coming back to the sense of immediacy, field of awareness, here in this body. In some way, give instructions that lay out a progressive sense, right? We started off just with breath and body, and then the expansion to the whole field of sensation, and then including um, mind states and emotions, right? and then attending to thought life, noticing the changing nature of all of that. But of course, it's not that we sort of tick those things off day by day. Oh, day one, we did breath and body. Right? And day two, we move on to something else. It's like we're constantly spiraling back round these themes of practice, depending on the way conditions are in any given moment, depending on how bright mind is for whatever reason in any given moment, Tending, uh, depending on how steady attention is depending on whether we're uh, particularly stimulated by some, something. Right? If some old painful memory has arisen, right? and there's the, the strong sense of hurt or confusion or distress or anger or sadness, for example, in there in that moment, then trying to apply the day's instructions about whatever it might be might not be particularly helpful. Right? We need to attend to the experience we have. So rather than deciding, this is what I want to give attention to, we have to look at what's here right now. Because whatever's here right now, that's what needs attention. That really is the only thing we can give useful attention to. Buddha calls that practicing Dhamma in accordance with the Dhamma. Right? Practicing with the way things actually are. Rather than practicing in accordance with our ideas about how we think they could be, should be, ought to be. So seeing where you are today, seeing where you are right now, mm. sensing the body field like this, sensing the chitta field like this. And maybe that there's that sense of the accumulated goodness and traction, momentum of your practice until now. And you really feel yourself in, in the flow of that, really supported by the goodness of your practice over these days. Or it may be that the senses dawning last full day of the retreat. Right? And that the, you notice that in the chitta field, if you like. The sense of the movement forward, there's some degree of anticipation or planning. There's no problem if that arises. It might well arise, right? That's what happens, right? Inner responses, emotional responses, thought responses happen in response to conditions. If we know that conditions are, you know, that we're approaching the end of something, it's natural that mind starts to respond to that. And yet then our practice is to see, well, how do I meet that skillfully rather than just habitually? opportunity if that happens to actually get to know the nature of planning mind the effect the affect of planning mind rather than just being like uh, bought into carried off by identified with the various plans or anticipations excitements or anxieties that might arise so like always, you know, life's teaching us right now. By what's, because what's happening in body, what's happening in emotions, what's happening in the world, is revealing, displaying, expressing the way things are. Expressing the changing nature of experience. 
expressing the natural unfolding of things, inviting us to inhabit this life, this experience, this body, this moment, more fully, more intimately, more freely. So it's in this spirit that we sit together. Settling in to your posture just as it is right now. There's both the familiarity of meditation posture built up over these days and maybe others. A certain familiarity of body sitting. And yet there's also the freshness of your posture. Body like this right now. Sensations and sounds and emotions configured in a way they've never precisely been configured ever before. This fleeting, precious, (coughs) fragile, immediacy. Body like this. So we settle into this immediacy, fleeting and fragile. We taste the sensations of sitting here. A particular density in the lower body of the weight of sitting, of your buttocks and legs on the floor or the chair. a certain nobility of an upright posture. Awake in the midst of experience. The receptivity of an open posture. Willing to meet whatever arises. and the gentleness of a relaxed posture, allowing yourself an ease of sitting.
natural sensation coming and going. Natural rhythm and movement of breath. natural symphony of changing sounds. Natural flickering of passing thoughts. and natural abiding of conscious awareness. If attention isn't very steady this morning, just being willing to unhook when you find it caught up, re-establishing embodied presence. And if there's a certain steadiness that's available, Just letting yourself experiment with this, giving all your experience back to nature. Abiding here as this natural knowing that which receives, that which attends to, that which cares for all of this fluid movement of body, heart, mind, world, 
intimate with the flow of experience. Relaxing ownership and control. Just like this. allowing experience to come and go. Extending a gentle, generous attention caring for this moment Whatever stands out in it, this breath, or this sensation, this thought, or this sound. This emotion, or mind state. There is no experience that doesn't benefit from our care, our attention.
This is the heart of awareness. The wide open embrace of all that comes and goes. the whole realm of experience. It's fluid, changing. Attention itself, coming and going. see this changing nature, we give up expecting some stable place to find ourselves. It's like this that we find ourselves at home in the movement. Um, wherever we are, however we are, with whatever this is right now. It's like this, that this movement, this moment, this experience is inviting you to be home right here.
changing from sukha to dukkha, pleasant to unpleasant, or unpleasant to pleasant. And in the midst of all this change, peace, space, Brilliance. The essential nature of consciousness. This capacity to know and care and allow what arises.
Well, there'll be the opportunity this evening to, to answer kind of more general questions you might have. But for now, if there are questions or comments about your meditation experience or the way I've been uh, describing the practice today, that would be helpful for you in kind of exploring your experience throughout the day, then please feel free. Yeah, I'm not used to the microphone. <laughs> um, so I've been working with, um, like I said uh, yesterday, two strands of practice of self-compassion <coughs> and, and also looking at uh, impermanence and, and the whole sense of self as it arises and, and doesn't. And I'm concerned... Is there a, a risk doing something like the self-compassion of then more selfing happening? And if so, how could I not do that? Hmm. Does that make sense as a question? Mm -hmm. So where does the concern come from? I can understand that the idea, we say, oh, self-compassion, right? in other words, right, just what I would, we mean by self-compassion, just attending rather gently, forgivingly, uh, tenderly towards the sense of the one who's sitting here. Right? And particularly because the one who's sitting here can in various ways you know, be grumpy with oneself, impatient with oneself, intolerant of oneself, having all idea, kinds of ideas about how one could or should be different. And oh, just to attend, as I say, tenderly or forgivingly to that one. That's what we mean, that kind of thing, right? Yeah, I mean, how I've been doing it is, is with, a, with phrases. Mm. Um, and what came to me, I couldn't remember the classic ones, but what, what came to me was, oh, I'm here with you, I'm here for you. Mm. And that felt kind of nice. Mm. It right. felt supportive and, yeah. Oh. Yeah, relieving, yeah. soothing, relaxing. Yeah. Right? It allows us, oh, I'm here with you, oh. Exactly. And then the idea, but the idea can be... A, arising, well, I'm contemplating this the way everything's fluid, experience is fluid, the sense of self is fluid, it's kind of holographic in some ways, it appears, it seems real when it appears, but if I really look at it, that it's just there. that, it's an appearance rather than a, a thing. So then we say, well, maybe the self-compassion, generating ideas about I'm here with you, maybe that might be solidifying the appearances of self. It, exactly. Yeah. So that's what the idea says, but what does the experience say? I don't know, it only just occurred to me. <laughs> okay. If I'm honest, uh, yeah, I, yeah, I don't know. Right. So it, it can be kind of semantic because mm. it's how the language makes it contradictory, right? Yes. Self is just, seems to just be an appearance, not a thing, and yet maybe I'm reinforcing that appearance, making it more thing-like by the phrase, I'm here with you, etc. Mm. But the experience seems to be oh, relaxing, reassuring. In other words, when the sense of self can relax it's actually less solid. Yes. And we can all feel that. If you I mean, just physically, if you tense up, you feel much more like a self. Mm. Right? Like, now I really feel like yeah. I'm real and solid and dense. Right? The more tense you are, the more dense you are, the more the boundaries appear solid. And when you relax, you can try. Tense up a little if you feel like it. And then relax. And the boundaries soften. Mm. And the sense of how dense or real or solid self is softens. And so there, there's no contradictor, contradiction between fluidity of the appearance of self and tenderness towards the sense of self. Okay, thank you. Yeah. And it may be that at some point, as the sense of accompanying and soothing and relaxing um, increases, that you might find you don't need the phrases anymore. That the attitude mm. is a basically just a... a caring attitude, gentle attitude, tolerant attitude, and that uh, the phrases, you might use them as they're needed or when they're needed or when some kind of intolerance of self is particularly strong, and that increasingly the phrases, it doesn't need to be given voice or concept to be still held in a kind of field of tenderness. Okay, thank you. Mm. Yeah. Can you pass over here? Yeah. 
Thank you for that. Um, just to ask, in terms of today, um, I had moments then, you know, fleeting, but moments where the sense of self goes quite quiet and mm. just. Um, if you have any words about what to, how to work with that, like maybe it's just something to explore and see. But if you have any words about what to, those moments, how to, yeah, be with that kind of experience. Well, what, what when you what happens such that gives rise to the question? So the sense of self usually reinforced by the endless narration of experience, commentating on experience, right? And then one stops doing that, or it stops doing that for a moment, or at least it thins out very much. And so the usual reference point, which is constantly, you know, that's what, you know, even we called it rubbish the other day. We say, oh, a lot of, lot of that mental content is just rubbish. But it's not total rubbish because it serves a purpose. And the purpose that it serves is it's reinforcing our usual reference points, right? Self and world, self and world. All, our, all that thinking is always about self and world, right? Most of those thoughts begin with the word I. Oh, I think that, or oh, I want, or I remember, or I like. And so we're reinforcing a sense of subject and object here and there, this and that. And if that thins out, it can quite uh, significantly change not just our quality of experience, oh, but also our sense of just how reality is constructed, actually. So you ask me you know, if I can say something about that, which I guess I just did, but what's happening for you in those moments of quietitude or non, the non-usual relationship between self and reality? Then what stands out to you there? I suppose it was uh, it was kind of like um, yeah, there's just the observer or whatever that is that which watches is for, is just gone. But particularly when I shine, sort of shine the light on it a little bit, and then I just I'm not trying to get rid of it or hold on to it, but just mm. look at it, and then it's just gone. And then there's just sounds or sensation or mm. very more directly somehow mm. um, and there's goneness there's the goneness of the habitual sense of self yeah yeah so maybe just to attend to um, um, just the the hearing there's a famous teaching called the Bahia Sutta where the Buddha's talking to Bahia and he talks about you know the usual senses of the knower and the known and the knowing, right? Subject, object, verb. Right? I'm the knower. That's the known. Right? I'm sitting here. The bird is over there singing, and I'm hearing the song. Right? But when one softens that subject-object reinforcement, oh, just the hearing. And there's the kind of in that teaching, Buddha goes through the various sense objects underlying under. Scoring just the hearing, it's like the aliveness, the fluidity, the natural unfoldingness, which comes to the fore when the subject-object reinforcement drops. So it may be that you're attending just to the, that but naturalness, the happening by itselfness, the non-need for subject-object reference points. It also may be that you're just attending to the mysterious goneness. Right. Oh, all my life I've been talking to myself as if I exist. <laughs> and now, gone. Huh? And I don't mean thinking about that goneness because the thinking about it just brings back the subject-object. Right? But just attending to the goneness. Right? There's a Pali word for that. I can't remember what, but shunyata will do. You know. We usually translate shunyata as emptiness. But it could also be called absenceness, and sometimes called voidness, transparency, goneness. I think it's actually quite a good translation. Even I just thought of it now. But <laughs> so just attending to the, the, the goneness of familiar reference points. And it may be that the fir- when that start when that happens uh, for the first times, one's surprise or delight or shock or fear 
sometimes, or just disorientation is such that one immediately starts thinking a lot about it and how amazing it is, and then you, you just re-establish the usual thing. And just to allow the coming and going, and when that's present, just the more familiar it is, one becomes with it, the less one needs to reinforce the usual view, and the more it um, just can inform in a kind of liberating way one's experience. Yeah. Okay. Can you pass the mic back? Um, on a slightly more practical level, um, that's very practical, by the way. But okay. <laughs> yeah, well, okay. <laughs> There's nothing more practical than liberation. But yeah, yeah. But please, yes. I'm just having a bit of bother keeping my eyes closed to begin with. Uh, it's not something I particularly usually have, but it is quite bright in here, perhaps. Mm. And um, I mean, I'm guessing it's probably a little bit like the feeling your body and it being a distraction. Mm. Did you say, I just want to check I heard, did you say you're having trouble keeping your eyes closed? Yeah. Yeah, they just naturally... Well, not closed, just the bottom, just, without, just letting the light in at the bottom and it's just a distraction. It is a distraction, the light? Yeah. Yeah, a little bit, yeah. Okay. Or just, yeah. Um, so, you can, if you find it too much of a distraction, you can just make this little bit of effort to keep them closed. Mm, but also, you could just, if, the, if there's a natural, if that's what the relaxed state does, that is such that they open a little bit, just, you could just regard the light as just phenomena, just like the bird's song, right? We could say, oh, birds are distracting. Sometimes people do. Sometimes people have left notes for the coordinators. <laughs> really? I'm not joking. Please, can you do something about the crows? Right, or the ravens? Right, they know the ravens aren't so active at this time of year, but sometimes the ravens are very noisy here. And people, please, the ravens are distracting me from my precious meditation. But... You know, we can just let crows be crow, let ravens be ravens, right? and let light be light, and yeah, you don't need to keep it closed. Eyes really don't need to be closed. So, like I say, you can see for yourself. You can compensate. You can adjust by just forcibly. I mean, it's not doesn't take much force, right? But just, just actually closing your eyes, if that seems more helpful. But also it's fine for eyes to be open. For some people, it's actually more helpful for eyes to be open. Some find that if eyes are open, I more easily get pulled out into the external world and distracted, therefore helpful for eyes to be closed. But others find the opposite. Others find that if eyes are closed, I more easily get sort of pulled into just an internal loop of kind of, you know, thoughts and images and, uh, and that actually having eyes open a little bit actually keeps me grounded in the sense of just here, now. So there isn't a, there isn't a right or better way for that to be. Okay. Can you pass to Julia? Yes, I was wondering, um, all these, or a lot of childhood memories are coming back to me mm -hmm. that I thought uh, were forgotten, mm -hmm. and they're very nice, and uh, making me feel more in contact with, mm -hmm. with my uh, small childish part of myself, I think. Is that normal? Um, well, it's, it's not abnormal, right? So, where I would say whether it's normal or not isn't so important. What's important is the fact that it's happening. Yeah. Right. And in this sense, it, can, it certainly can happen, right? And it can happen in different ways. But the way it's happening right now is that it's, it's reinforcing, it sounds like, what? You said they're nice. So yeah, say they a little are. more about that. What's, what's the feeling as uh, these, you recover these memories? Um, they're really bodily feelings uh, of um, myself as a toddler smelling grass or... Mm. Uh, picking flowers or sitting on the lap of my parents, but really uh, sensations that I didn't have in my mem well, obviously I had them stored in my memory because otherwise mm -hmm. they couldn't come up, but um, uh, yeah, it, it feels like I'm more in contact with yeah. 
with the child in myself. Right. Yeah. So the, so They're the, very tactile memories. Right. So the memory themselves is one thing, right? The thought or image. Mm-hmm. And then the most tangible part of that is the feeling of pleasure and yeah. of contactfulness, right? And the associations of a certain, what, ease, it sounds like, safety, yeah. warmth, love. Great. Yeah, yeah, it's really nice. Yeah. yeah. But then so I thought, and then I think, oh, I don't have to get attached. I want more of them, you know. <laughs> yeah, well. <laughs> that, yeah. That's true. It's difficult you know. just to let be. Yeah. yeah. It's true that uh, you, you know, if you if you over if you get overly get into the thought and image, oh, that memory and what happened, and da, 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 then the pleasure is driving the excitement, and getting into it more. Yeah. Right? But rather, like we were talking about last night, about making room for pleasure, just really letting yourself feel, this, the thought and image will still be there, memory, mm-hmm. but the primary thing, let yourself feel the pleasure, safety, ease, love, warmth. That's what those things are evoking, right? Let your nervous system bathe in that which is evoked by the memories. Mm-hmm. Right? Memories of the, oh, this, this being capacity to really know and let in love, warmth, contentment, safety. Beautiful. Very, it's kind of healing for mm-hmm. the nervous system. Yeah. Right? A lot of what our nervous systems are doing are kind of bracing against some sense of threat or danger or ambivalence. Right? And just to, uh, it's a certain dropping of that bracing, dropping of those defenses that makes room for those other things, love, safety, tenderness, etc., to come in, mm-hmm. right? And the memories are, j- are the carrier, they're just the carriers of those qualities. So the memory themselves, thought and image, let it be secondary, mm-hmm. right? They're the triggers, right? You don't need to do anything with them, but let what's primary mean the allowing those kind of nourishing, healing qualities to be there. Thank you, that was helpful. Yeah, good. Yeah. Oh yes, at the back there. Just a question about giving it back to nature. Can you just say a bit more about that? I mean, I kind of have my own experience of how I experience. So something really mm. about receiving from the earth um, what it has to offer and then giving it back <laughs> in a, in, in, while breathing. So yoni breathing and then giving back to the earth. Um, but I, I'm not sure more about what you mean by that. But it does feel like I want to give back some of the mess that I've made of things that maybe nature might have given me wasn't meant to be that way but I can give it back I can compost it and it'll make something wonderful of it thank God <laughs> thank 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 okay universe. well if that seems helpful right then good if it's helpful it's good right. and I would just take care that it's not overly um, conceptual story a yeah. story of all that if it's that. just a story about oh this and I could give it back and it could become compost and da 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 da, da <laughs> right then you could just <laughs> it could be taking you away yeah. but if there's just the sense of not sp- not investing a lot of ideation into it but just the sense of oh now that which I've taken and held on to oh I can, I can actually be given back that's the sense in the way I'm using the word it's like a, a an image or a, an invocation of the way we can relinquish control, relinquish ownership, relinquish responsibility. And therefore, we can become much more responsive to life rather than responsible for life, which has a sense of you know, carrying the weight on our shoulders. Oh, I've got this. I've got to do this. I'm this one who, you know. Oh, and then responding to rather than feeling the responsibility of it's different thanks Mm. okay
so I think we'll stop there so that we have time. Can you just click the mic off? Thanks. So as I said earlier, fullness of the day ahead of us, um, steadiness of the rhythm, the um, the possibility of mind moving forward in planning mode and the opportunity just to see because there's nothing, you know, it doesn't just happen on the last day of a retreat, right? It's often that anticipatory reflex can be moving in all kinds of ways. So not to make it wrong in any way, but just to see how might we actually um, be present with the anticipatory movement rather than just caught up in the story of the anticipation. And the walking. Uh, walking practice is often a very good way to connect with the fluid, changing nature of things. Right? Body moving. And just sensing the naturalness. You know? It's sort of obvious, but at least in my experience, it's been a source of a great deal of insight, actually. Just contemplating the, the miraculous inte- auto-intelligence of body, that body, that we can contemplate in all kinds of different ways, but in this sense, oh, body moving, body walking, body breathing. It's all, all kinds of processes going on, right? I mean, heart pumping, blood, blood moving, cells regenerating. Just, oh, the fact that all this is happening by itself. And again, a way to kind of relinquish the sense of control and ownership that we take over our experience. As well as just the changing nature, naturally unfolding nature, fluid nature of whatever you're exposed to in your visual field as you walk. Sky, clouds, birds, trees, life. And so that also the experimenting with that sort of widening and focusing of the field of awareness. And if there's some stability, just seeing how if you can widen out all of this life, life. And then if in that widening out you get a little spaced out or uh, just kind of caught up, then just coming back in to re-establish some steadiness. Mm. Playing with the aperture of your attention. There's also an, another chance uh, for meetings this morning. Gail's put up some times and uh, I'll meet with people later this morning. So if you haven't met with me already and you'd, we would like to come this morning, maybe just raise your hand. Okay. So that'll be the last meeting there'll be, so please come at uh, 12, or after the the next sitting. It'll be about 12 o'clock in the lounge. Okay, and if we could have the bell then in half an hour to sit together. Ah, there you are, yeah. So, some time for walking now. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.